Father, I thank you so much for this church family and for what you have planned for us. God, I know that you have a plan for our life that's amazing and incredible. And I pray today that, Lord, you'd open our eyes to the truths that we're about to see and help us, Lord, to be wise in applying them to others and in applying them to ourselves. And so I pray you'd help me now to really bring this out because I know how important it is and uh, how practical it is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what I'm about to share with you is very important. It is very, very practical. Uh, After the last service, I'll be honest, I didn't feel like the message went that well. I walked up to my wife, Pam, and she looked at me and she said, wow, that was powerful. She goes, but I don't know that I've ever heard you preach a message at one person like that before. And I said, who was I preaching it at? And she goes, no, 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 the topic. Uh, uh, But by the way, I I do want to tell you, uh, we're going to be talking about um, the scoffer. Uh, the scornful person. Uh, We're going to look at what God says about this. And uh, I want to tell you that if you uh, have ever had anybody like that in your life, you're right away going to have their name come to your mind. I think all of us hopefully are going to say we never want to be like this. God's great desires we wouldn't be. But we're talking about being free. And in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 22 it says, And do not carry on as scoffers or your fetters will be made stronger. The things that bind you, the bondage that this brings in someone's life is horrible. Uh, We start out with the verb scoff, and we scoff at things. And if we're not careful, we become the noun, the scoffer. God's desire is that you do not even practice this, that you and I are not a part of this. And the word scoff, literally, the literal meaning of it is to make a mouth at, to mimic, to mock. But it has the idea of being so disrespectful of other people, so disdainful of other people, that you always see yourself as better than them. And God says when you and I take on that persona, we take on that lifestyle, it puts us in bondage. When you've been forced to live in a home with someone like that, a mom or a dad, maybe both, and your life has been one where you never were good enough, Your life has been one where they could always pick you apart. Your life has been one where they just had that negative, mean-spirited talk always coming your way. Then here's the scary thing. Those words are probably still echoing in your minds. You may have been at a social gathering or something that was meant to be fun and incredible. And all of a sudden your stomach started to twist because a phrase was used. Or a word was used. And it just reminded you of them. Or you caught a glimpse and you thought, oh, and, and, and it just literally, the scoffer kills. They destroy innocence. They destroy vitality. They destroy joy. Uh, they're a destructive person. Churches have scoffers in them. That's why in the book of Jude, verse 16, it says this. It says, these are grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining advantage. And in other words, Jude said, they're in your church. And they may be in your life right now. And God warns us to get away from them. Now, we need to be careful in labeling people as scoffers. You're going to see in a minute that when you do, that God's command and God's wisdom says you avoid them. Now, we don't want to be people who avoid conflict. We don't want to be people who do not show unconditional love. Yet, here's the thing. 
When it comes to the scoffer, God says, stay as far away from them as you can. Don't get into any interaction with them if possible. Limit your time and limit their effect on your life. So let's talk about what a scoffer is. The first thing we're going to see is the scoffer's a negative person. Again, back to Jude verse 16. These are grumblers finding fault. Now, now the idea behind this is they're a grumbler. They're a complainer. Scoffers complain. Uh, I don't know if you are aware of this, and I hope you are, but God hates complaining. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says that the people complain and God killed them for it. Isn't that interesting? In Philippians, it says this in chapter two, verse 14, it says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. God does not want us to be complainers. And he says, when we're not that way, we shine out as children's of light in a dark world. And and when someone's a grumbler and someone's a complainer, then they're moving into that area of scoffing. Now notice though what it says. They are grumblers and complainers finding faults. They're negative people. They can always find something wrong. They can always pick things apart. Uh, They love doing it. Uh, They love going around and and, and naming, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. And and, and by the way, it says following their own lust. It's always very selfish. I don't like it. Therefore, it can't be good. I don't like what's going on. Therefore, it's got to be bad. It doesn't matter if everybody else likes it. It doesn't matter if everyone else is finding joy in it. They always find a way to tear it down. They're just negative, negative people. And God warns you and I not to be that way and not to be around people like that. I remember one time I was uh, in the midst of worshiping. I mean, it was an amazing worship service. And I know not everybody gets affected the same way, but man, God was moving in my heart and all around me. I could just sense the passion of it. And my hands are in the air and my eyes are closed and I feel somebody hitting me. And I look over and this lady had come up to me. And she goes, I can't stand it anymore. I'm like, just be quiet. She goes, no, I can't stand it. And by then the music's coming down and I'm trying to get her to whisper and get her off on her. And she's just so upset. And she points at one of the worship leaders, a young girl on the stage. She goes, that is so disrespectful. She doesn't have any shoes on right now. She's up there barefooted. And just as she said that, the song Holy Ground started to play. Do you know what it says uh, in the Bible when God talks to Moses? He says, you're standing on holy ground, therefore to do what? Take off your shoes. Well, I thought that was funny. (laughs) She didn't think that was funny. I mean, she just decided it was just, and I, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She actually thought that it was okay for her to judge somebody else's worship. She thought she could pick. It didn't matter that every, she, she was the only one who could see it. Therefore she had to be right. And when you get around people like this, oh, it's so, it, it just hurts. It, it grates on you to be around people like that. And God says they're complainers finding fault. They're negative. They can always find out what's wrong in every situation. And, and they can poison it. They can pollute it. So it begins with this. They're negative. The next thing they are is proud and haughty. Again, they're the whole idea that things have to be their way. Notice what it says in Proverbs 21, 24. And I hope again, I hope you're going to follow along and see what God's word says about this. Notice this though. Proud, haughty, scoffers are his name who acts with insolent pride. Who acts with insolent pride. Uh, they, they're just very prideful people. They think they're smarter than everybody, better than everybody, no more than everybody. They, they've always got to be right. 
You, you find out, you know, in every situation, even when they're wrong, they somehow twist it that they're right. And, and they think they know more than anybody else. And, and, and it's kind of an amazing, you get them in any setting and, and they speak with this like overconfidence about it. And, and, the, and, and they just think they know. Uh, and so here's the thing. They, because they know more than everybody else, they feel they can judge everybody else. And God tells us, don't ever do that. As a matter of fact, it says in Psalm 1 verse 1, Oh, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinner. Now catch this next line. Nor sit in the seat of the scoffer. Sit in a place where you judge other people. Where you, you pick them apart. And by the way, when you get around a scoffer, they'll just tell you that person's wrong about this. That person has this wrong about them. That person doesn't. How could they ever think that? How could do they do that? How dare? And, and they just put other people down constantly. And they're just, you know, proud and haughty. Uh, one time when I was uh, uh, in a situation, what happened is I was the associate pastor and these guys came to kind of argue and stuff. And Ron Keller, our senior pastor, didn't want to mess with them. So he sent them to me and I had to take them. And uh, they came in and I'll never forget this because they began to, to attack Raul Reese. Somehow they got an appointment with Raul Reese. And, and they're literally saying, oh, he's theologically off here and he's theologically. And they're just tearing in. And I looked and I said, what Bible college did you guys go to? Well, none, 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 you know. How long have you been a Christian? Like six months. How? And you're... I go, you guys couldn't lead a Bible study of five people. He's got a church of 15,000. Where's God's hand of blessing? Who do you think you are? And they just thought they could sit and just tear into somebody that God had anointed and used like it was nothing. You know, you, you get around people like that. You're like, whoa. They, they don't know what it means to be humble. They don't know what it means to understand that there are other people who might know more than they know about certain situations and things. They don't understand that they're very, very likely they could be wrong about something. And uh, I know there's some of you right now are probably thinking, Chuck, do you have people in mind when you're thinking about this? <laughs> you bet I do. <laughs> so I, you know, let's just get it out. All right. Let's, I just want you to start pointing at them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you ever hear the old saying though, when you point at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back. See, scoffers don't realize that. They, they don't realize that they in themselves, they, they've got fault. They, they need to know they're not always right. They don't always know more than everybody else. And by the way, that goes to the next thing Peter says about a scoffer. It says, and do not be around those, especially those, 2 Peter 2.10, who indulge in the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. They're daring, they're self-willed. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Uh, now, while there's scoffers who spiritualize it, and that becomes very deadly, that they, they can actually quote scripture to try to make themselves sound right. And by the way, that can be really harmful, especially if you've been raised around someone who uses the word of God as a club to, to beat you down. Uh, God warns about that. But, but here's the thing. Obviously, there are people who are scoffers and aren't Christians. And when you get around people, whether they're Christian or not, who is a scoffer, or at least they claim to be a Christian, uh, the bottom line is, is they act like they just know more than everybody else, and they're very self-willed, and they have no problem speaking their mind. See, that's the whole idea about it. Man, they could just, they just let their opinion out, and they feel like that everybody else ought to know what they think. Matter of fact, the scoffer may even use that term. Well, at least people know where they stand with me. Why is that so important? 
Why do we think our opinion matters so much that people ought to know it? Catherine Marshall decided to do a little experiment. You probably know who she is. She wrote a book called Christie and Things. Catherine Marshall decided that she probably was speaking way too much. And she was being way too negative. So she decided for a one-month period of time to not say anything that wasn't positive and to speak less. She said that she came to two realizations that shocked her. Number one, no one missed her talking. (laughs) And number two, what she said didn't matter as much as she thought. See, a scoffer thinks what they say matters so much. They think they're just spouting it off. I uh, one time was at a family gathering that Pam got me to go to. Uh, and, and I didn't want to go. I was counting down the minutes to get out. I even said, you've got to tell me how long we've got to be there. Because I knew a scoffer was going to be there. And I got in the room, and, and boy, it wasn't long before he just started up. Man, he was so negative, and, and he was attacking Christianity. He was attacking the Bible. He was attacking our belief system. He was putting down Pam and I for the choices we made. He was attacking his kids. And, and I stood there looking, and I, I, it all of a sudden hit me. I'm the only one in the room who's willing to talk with them. Everybody else is trying, wants to be away from them. And, and then he just begins to, to let me know how wrong the Bible is and how wrong Christians are and how wrong. And I stood there thinking, how many broken marriages have you had? How many family members don't even want to be around you? You think you're smarter than God. And man, my heart broke. Because I just realized, wow, you're just destined for a life of loneliness and unhappiness because you just think you know so much. And I I walked away realizing, oh God, I just don't ever want to head down that road. And I I, I want to keep everybody I love and care about from heading down that road. But they don't seem to see it. Uh, The scoffer delights in scoffing. They delight in scorning. They're not only negative and self-willed and and, and they, they love to do it. In Proverbs one twenty two, it says, How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. They, they think it's so fun to do. As a matter of fact, that's what gives them joy. Is, is they look for something negative, and they love to go on and on about it. And they love to get other people in on it. And by the way, I got to tell you, that's something we got to be careful of, all of us. Have you ever noticed, like, you'll get with a group of people, and the talk goes negative, and all of a sudden, it's like you get this joy about it? Anybody else like that? I mean, I got to be honest. Oh, man, come on, let's tear into so-and-so. Let's put this down. Let's attack this issue. Let's, and and we just start going. And, And God looks and says, Why? Why would we be just so destructive? And see, scoffers love it. They delight in it. They look for it. They, 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 they get so excited. You just see their eyes beam when they can tear things apart. Uh, one time I was sitting with some friends and we started scoffing. And man, we're talking about a particular person. And we're mocking him, how he acts, what he does, what he says. Oh, we're laughing. I mean, we're laughing. It became a sport. And uh, one of my friends, Rick uh, Gunn, who was the best man at my wedding, he's quiet the whole time. And then about, I don't know, uh, he let us go on and on for a period of time. And then he finally said this. He goes, you know what I hate about him? And we go, what? He goes, how he talks behind other people's backs. Whoa. And we kicked Rick out. Um, But No, he got us. 
Oh man, he zinged it in there. And we looked at him and I thought, what a great friend to really point it out. And, and we had to stop and we had to repent. We had to find a way to try to, 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 to say, how can we not be like this anymore? But see, scoffers love it. They love to get together. They love to do it. By the way, uh, uh, it's it scary. Some Bible study groups call themselves Bible study groups so they can get together and scoff and uh, uh, spiritualize it. Uh, the scoffer, again, always has to be right. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 9, 7 to 10. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. When you correct a scoffer, it goes dishonorable right away. In verse 8, it says, do not reprove a scoffer. Whoa. Now, now, notice this. We're always to try to go to people and be honest. We're to go and bring out situations. We're not to cover it up or hide it. But when you realize someone's a scoffer, then the Bible says, then stop. It's actually saying, give up. Don't try. Now, that's heavy. Where you actually look at somebody and say, it's not worth the trouble. It's casting pearls before swine. Now, why? Because every time you do try to help them, every time you do try to point it out, what happens is they attack back. They retaliate. You say, well, you know what? This is not healthy, and I think that you, you know, we need to be careful. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, who are you? And then they attack back. Or what about this? Or, and, and then they just, they're quick to retaliate. And it just goes dishonorable. It goes bad. It goes south every single time. So it says in verse 8, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Now, I love this whole section. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, notice what happens. You can spot a scoffer because the minute anybody tries to show them they're wrong, they hate that person. They become their enemy. And and they attack and, and they make sure everybody knows it. Because you know why? They're always right and they never ever want to be shown they're wrong. And the worst thing you can do with the scoffer is catch them and show them they're wrong. They're not going to love you for it. Uh, they always find themselves eventually alone. Proverbs nine twelve says, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Wow. Uh, uh, you know, here's one way to spot a scoffer. They have a string, a history of broken relationships. They have a history of broken relationships. When uh, I first came here three years ago, I I really prayed, God, give me wisdom. Uh, I'm landing in a whole new situation. There's thousands of people. I'm going to be making relationships. I want to do it well. And uh, one of the things I picked up on right away is I would have people come and they would want to tell me everything that had ever been wrong with the church. Uh, they just thought, man, that's a great thing. And they thought I would enjoy, uh, uh, I guess, hearing it. I don't know. But I, I right away, that was a red flag to me. If, if you, what you walked in with was all this negative, I went, ooh. And, and then what I started listening for next was people who not only came in negative, but they came in with a history of negativity, a history of problems with people. And I'll never forget this one person in particular, I Pam and I had sat with them and they went on and on and on and they told me how, you know, this didn't work out and that didn't work out and they had been here and now they hated this and they couldn't and they went on with just broken really. It just literally, I, I sat there thinking, wow, man, they just brought it all out. And when we left, I looked at Pam and I said, well, what'd you get from that? And Pam said, be careful. Be careful. I said, I'll tell you, Pam, what I got. Number one, man, this, this person's so lonely and they don't know it. And number two, a day's going to come where they're going to hate my guts. They're going to turn on me. 
They, they've already turned on everybody. It's, it's not like, you know. And, and I thought the sad thing was I saw how miserable the family was. This person inflicted this kind of loneliness and mean-spiritedness and, upon their family. By the way, if, you, if you've got 15 people you can't get along with, guess who the problem is? Right? If you've got a string of people that, that all of a sudden you've had problems with, well, we know who the problem is. And uh, you know what? A scoffer doesn't seem to get that. And so they end up alone. Proverbs 13.1 says this. It says, a wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Well, uh, that's the other thing. You, you just, they aren't going to listen. You, you could try all you want. Remember, it'll go south, but they're just not going to take it in. By the way, the word rebuke there literally means to criticize or sharply reprove or reprimand. It, it means to check or repress. Uh, scoffers just don't want to listen to that. And they're never going to learn. So they won't love those who correct them. Proverbs 15, 12 says, A scoffer does not love one who reproves him, and he will not go to the wise. You find themselves not really wanting to do that. And then they never find wisdom. They're always spouting knowledge, but they don't find true wisdom. Proverbs 14, 6 says, A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. And uh, you know what? They, they might, by the way, if a scoffer claims to be a Christian, they might have all this biblical knowledge because they think they're so smart, but they don't know how to live it. They, they don't have the wisdom to apply it correctly. By the way, let, let me just say this. We all know what I think, but let's just get it out here. If you're in dwelt with the Holy Spirit, what's the number one sign that you are? Love. The more you truly know the word of God, it says in 1 Timothy 1, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. If, if I really am interacting with God correctly and I'm really studying scripture correctly, then the result of that is I'm going to be more loving, more caring, more kind. Same for you. But if someone, the more they study, is more mean-spirited, more divisive, more factious, well, then that tells you they're not, they're not getting the true wisdom. Somehow they're not getting it. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen. 19, I, I think it's a very interesting passage, says, and, there, and it's talking to a church. There must be factions among you. Did you know that? If we really are going to live out the gospel and be a church, there's going to be divisive factions in our body. Now, why? It says, so those who are evident may be, uh, so it may become evident those who are approved from those who are disapproved. So God won't let it be hidden. Factious people show themselves. They play their hand. They show they're not really of the spirit. And uh, God, God says that. And so what happens is they, they never find wisdom and they create tension and dissension. Now, now this is a way to spot a scoffer. You ready? Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 10. Drive out the scoffer and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. Drive out a scoffer and contention goes out. You know one way to spot a scoffer is when they leave the room, it feels better. Uh, when they, you, you get them out of your life, it feels better. Right? Have you ever been around someone like that? Like, oh, they're gone. Now we can have fun. Oh, now we can breathe. See, when you're around a scoffer, you've got to walk on eggshells. Because they'll make you pay. If you cross what they think, or, or do, they're, they're going to make you pay. But when they're gone, it's like, yeah, man, this feels good. And, and when they're not a part of your life, oh, man. I remember one time we had a, a team I was leading, and we had a scoffer on it. 
And man, they think always with the men, everything was negative, everything was wrong. Uh, they were quick to pick things apart, to cause problems. They always wanted to get a team. And they, they would always use this phrase, well, people came to me or everyone thinks, and they would go negative. Finally, I even said to him, you're not allowed to, if you can't name the people, if you can't give me their names, I'm not going to let you speak anymore. They were like, oh, man, they were mad. Who am I to tell them that? Well, I was leading the team so I could do it. And uh, finally, I took them out to lunch and just said, you're not welcome. And they were like, what? You can't? And I said, yeah, I, I just can't have you be with us anymore. Well, the next time we got together for a meeting, everyone goes, where is he? And I said, I hate to tell you guys, I just took the, the, the authority and, and I've removed him. And oh, their smiles. Oh, whoa. Man, everybody was so excited. And, and you know, when you drive someone out like that, it just feels so good. It feels so good. And uh, the scary thing is, is there are people like that. Uh, Proverbs 28, 25 says, An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. See, uh, a godly man tries to create peace. But when you find somebody always trying to pick and choose sides, that betrays something about them. And they love to stir up problems. Proverbs 29, 8. Scorners set a city aflame, but a wise man turns away from anger. Now, now, there's a couple things there that come out. A scorner, a scoffer, they love to fan the flame. Matter of fact, the word set the uh, city aflame literally means to start as a little spark. It's, it's a, a Hebrew word, pawak, and, and it's meant to be whispered. In other words, they love to get people aside and whisper negative things and stir up. Did you know about them? Did you know they said that? Did you know? And, and they just love to, to you know, fan the flame and, and make it bad and create the fire and the destruction. And uh, God, God hates that. They love to just come in and, and ruin things. I remember one time I was getting ready to do a wedding and the coordinator came and said, Chuck, you got to go see the bride. And I, I got away from the groomsmen and everybody and I walked over and we opened the door to the bride's room and she's in tears, she's devastated. Right before her wedding, her mom walked up, looked at her in her beautiful wedding dress and said, well, if you'd only lost some weight, you'd look okay, and walked out. And it wasn't even that one moment. It was a life of that. It was a life of that. And I told her, I said, you know what? I, I know it hurts, but this is just, don't forget what the Bible says, for this cause a man shall leave his father. And you have every right now to walk away from her. That's one of your joys is try to get away. And, uh, you know, scoffers love to just share what they think and create the flame and the fire and the destruction. And uh, God says, you know what? Be careful. Be careful of that. Jude 1.19 says, these are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded and devoid of the Spirit. And uh, we need to understand that that's, that's what they do. They divide. They, they, they ruin. They destroy they don't build bridges, they build big walls. And again, I want to kind of throw this out for me and for you. There is uh, in the Bible the verb to scoff, and whenever we do that, it's a sin, and God warns not to do it, and it creates bondage. But there's the noun, the scoffer. And uh, there's not a whole lot of hope for a scoffer. Uh, if you've ever had one in your life, I want to say this again, be careful with using this. But God is saying, avoid them. God is saying, don't even go and try to fix it with them. 
God is saying, let him go. And when I realized that, that became something very freeing to me. It became a joy not to have people like that in my life. And I want to be very careful. I'm not being judgmental or vindictive. I want to take God's word and accurately apply it. But oh, the joy of not having that person around anymore. And if, by the way, if it's been a parent and you, you think, okay, I can't totally avoid them, limit your time. And be careful whenever you go into the, a setting with them. But here's the other thing. Start praying and asking God to quiet the voice of the scoffer that's been attacking you in your head. That's still in your memories. See, God says you're beautiful. God says you're amazing. God says you're to be made more than a conqueror. God says no matter how badly you've sinned, you're still redeemable and you still have amazing potential. That's the voice of God saying that you're loved and lovable and you have such amazing possibilities. If you have another voice saying to you that you're worthless, that, that you are, they've said these words, how, why would you make me do such a thing? Or how could you ever? Well, you know what? God, God says, I want to take that voice away. The one that's mean, the one that lies, the one that's cruel, the one that tells you you're no good, the one that always picked you apart and found something wrong with you. God, God says, I, I want to take that voice away. It intrigues me that uh, at the Last Supper, when Jesus was getting ready to inaugurate communion, he took a piece of bread called the bread of affliction, and if he was doing Passover traditionally, he would have held it up and said, this is the bread of affliction that reminds us of our forefathers in the land of Egypt when they were afflicted by Pharaoh and his men. And of all the afflictions our people have understood, he would break it and say, take, eat, and remember. But, but instead, he held up the bread of affliction, and Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. As you eat this, remember me. You know what Jesus was saying? I, I, did come, I did come to die for your sin, for the time you've hurt others, for the time you did what was wrong. But I also came to take upon you your pain, the times you were afflicted, the times you were attacked, the times you were tore into. I came because you've been hurt, and I want to heal the broken heart. And he said, every time you touch that bread, you remember that. You remember, I love you. You remember, I can heal you. I can take away that which has harmed you. That which has made you think you're not worthy. That you can't make it. That you can't succeed. That you can't conquer. I've come for that. And the scoffer might have attacked and tore into you. But God says, no. I want you to know how valuable you are to me. If you were the only person on the face of the earth who needed a redeemer, Jesus would have come and died for you. If you were the only one that God needed to move heaven and earth to reach out to, he would have done it for you. That's how much you matter to him. And that's the voice you need to have in your head. And that's the the thoughts that need to be revolving in your mind. And that's what ought to cause your heart to beat to know how loved you are. And I hope and pray that the more you interact with God, the more you hear it the more you sense it. Today, if you're his, I hope you rejoice in it and you say with, along with me, praise God, you love me. Help me never to be a person who sows anything but love and care and joy and positive thoughts. Let me, let me be one who reaches out 
And even when there's something wrong or bad, let me be someone who constructively deals with it, not destructively deals with it. And, and, and may we be people who bring redemption. Today, if you're here and you used to be walking with God closely, I want to tell you, come back. Maybe it was someone in the church, a scoffer who hurt you, and you said, I can't stand it when people who are Christians act that way. Don't be so sure they were a Christian. And don't let somebody, even if they were a Christian, cause you not to be close to a God who loves you. And by the way, get ready for this. Forgive them. Forgive them so you don't end up being somebody you never want to be. But come back to God. Today, if you've done something you shouldn't have done and you're a Christian, let me tell you, God knew you were going to do it anyway. Come back to him. Today, if you're here and you do not have a true personal relationship with God as your father, that's what God wants with you. Not just do you believe he's God. He wants you to come to know him in a very personal way. If you're not in that relationship, I'm going to ask you to do something. Open up to it. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, I would come into him. I would come be with him. I would come share life with him. And so what God is saying is this, I'm standing and I'm knocking. Would you open up? And you might say, how do I do it? It it really is this. It starts with a prayer. There's some other steps to it, but the very first step is for you to say, Lord, come in. Come take my life. Come cleanse me completely. Come make me new. Come show me who I'm meant to be. And and in a moment, we're going to go to a time of prayer. And if you want to say those words to God, I want to lead you in a prayer where you can say that. And I hope today there's some of you who are going to open up to him. I'm hoping today there's some of you who are going to open up to his healing because you've been wounded. And it's time for you to say, God, cleanse me and heal me from that. I hope some of you are going to recommit your life to him. But what we most hope right now is that the Holy Spirit starts moving and touching, that whatever God wants to do in your heart, whatever he wants to do in your life, you're going to let him do it. I'm going to ask you today, would you be courageous enough just to say, God, here I am. Do to me, do inside me. Come be with me in the way that I need. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would stir. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would begin to touch anybody today who needs to be healed from pain that was inflicted by a scoffer in their life. I know, Lord, there are some, there are some here here today who had a parent or parents do that to them. And it's time they are set free from it. Father, there are some who have married into that. And God, they they need your help. Lord, there are some who they've been put in a work environment and they're just so tired of being attacked. They feel like every day they walk in and they almost would rather be unemployed than have to face it. I pray right now you'd create healing in their heart and mind. But God, I pray that you would help us all to avoid ever being that way. So Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit now touch people who need to be healed. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit draw people who need to come to you. I pray they could sense it right now. Maybe for the first time in a recommit, they could sense this is their moment. That, Lord, you're knocking. It's time to open. It's time to commit completely. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now, if you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to pray a prayer with me. Here's the question. Do you want him? Because he wants you. Do you really know him? Because he wants you to know him. And if, if so, if right now you would open up, it's going to be incredible. 
get ready for a God to come and love you as a dad if you would just say yes right now if you're ready to do that I'm going to ask you to whisper a prayer with me say these words say Lord Jesus I know you love me and I know that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins to heal me of all my hurt and pain to free me from my fears to make me alive to make me new and to make me yours and I say yes I want this and I want you so I open my heart to you please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and help me live the life you have for me to live this I pray in Jesus name Amen and if you prayed that prayer today praise God